Welcome to Courage in Our Time. Mark Nepo said that the origin of the word courage is core, to stay close to one's core. This series of podcasts is intended to support you in your discovery of your core, your courage. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing. The front page of the Toronto Star this morning said something like, why are we all so angry? The divisiveness, the vitriol, the violence has become really disturbing to me. We're creating camps. The vaccinated, the unvaccinated, the believers, the non-believers. I don't want to wade into the issue of whether or not we should all be vaccinated. What I want to wade into is how are we going to move forward as humans? We have a planet to heal, not to mention our own bodies, our minds, and our souls. We have some massive healing to do, and pitting ourselves against each other is no way to do it. So let's all take a big communal exhale. Stop it. Stop with the irritability. Stop with the anger and the violence. Get underneath it. What is it really about? Do you think it might be, potentially, a sense of having been confined by messages of fear, disruption, disturbance across our planet for the past 20 months, if not the past maybe 10 years or so? Has it occurred to you that perhaps you're just feeling a little bit backed into a corner? That perhaps you're feeling powerless, scared, unsure, ungrounded? Because all of that makes total sense to me. We're all feeling it. But if all you're going to do is stand up and react and get mad at me or mad at them or mad at whoever, it's just not helpful. There's no time and there's no room for that anymore. Do your work. How has it been for you to feel like leadership is no longer available? When lunatics started posing as leaders about six years ago, it was really disruptive to what we know in our hearts to be good leadership or being able to trust in government, being able to trust in the wisdom of someone who was elected in. And that's not just south of my country. It's also in England. It's in Brazil. It's all over the planet. These men that are leading as lunatics, egos gone awry, like little boys in the sandbox trying to take all the toys and mocking all those that don't have the toys. That is just no way to lead. So it's crumbling, right? Structures are crumbling. Climate change is real. We know it. And if you doubt it, then I would invite you to talk to somebody in British Columbia or California. Or how about somebody that was hit by Hurricane Ida recently in Louisiana or New York or New Jersey, you name it. 
Why don't you go and speak to some Inuit people who live perhaps on Baffin Island? Pangertum. Go tell them it's not real. Because again, it's not useful. To sit in this place of denying climate change is not useful. Can we get together and say, this is real. There are massive storms happening. There are fires. In where I live, it was, the Humidex was over 35 degrees Celsius. Most times it was 39, 40 degrees Celsius for about three weeks straight. That's unheard of. 20 years ago, more than 20 now, when I first moved north of Toronto to where I live now, we would have at least one month in the winter of minus 40. And we had to have block heaters in our engines. So we'd plug our cars in overnight because it was too cold for that car to be able to start the next day. It was too hard on the engine. I don't need a block heater anymore. We might hit minus 40, but it's only for maybe two days and then it's over. So things are changing and things are shifting. Collaboration is so complicated. I was speaking with someone inviting collaboration. She said to me, but that's going to take so much more time. And I said, yeah, it is. And I'm not a great collaborator. Well, I, I am. I'm really good at collaborating when it's with the right people. But sometimes when something just needs to get done, I just, I just dig down and do it. But if I really sink into the spirit of collaboration and I share with somebody a process or we share together the process of how to get to where we both want to go or all want to go, it's amazing what happens when multiple creative minds come together, when multiple creative hearts come together to chart a path forward. When I was in grad school, it was mid-90s, we talked about systems theory and the way in which, in systems theory, to find a solution to a problem is complicated. Because by the time you find the solution to the problem, the problem has already changed. And that was a phenomenon that was growing in the 90s. Well, now it is everywhere. It's loud, it's deep, and it's wide. Things are changing so fast and so randomly that to try to create a static solution is really not useful. It's not going to get you anywhere. Solutions need to be fluid, changeable. I mean, I'm tired of the word pivot. But if COVID has taught us anything, it's that we need to get used to constantly pivoting, constantly saying, okay, that's not going to work right now. Let's try this way. I can't go live right now. Okay, let's go online. Constantly feeling adaptable, malleable, responsive. If we can do that in a collaborative way, it's so much more effective. We have so many more resources at our hands than if we're just in the individual. And I think that that is what's dying off, is this sense of individuality, the individual as king. How much can I get? How much can I take? How rich can I get? I'm going to get so rich that I'm going to build a rocket and I'm going to go to 
Mars all by myself, leaving millions of starving people behind that sure could have used that money that you spent to build your rocket. What is crumbling is this trend that we've had for the last many, many decades of me first. And if we don't change, if we don't understand that collaboration is the only way forward, then this planet is going to kick us off. Because everything in this planet, on this planet, within this planet, is collaborative. It's an ecosystem. It's not a single system. Just like your body, every single cell in your body is connected to every other single cell in your body. And they are constantly communicating. They're constantly sharing. They're sharing fluid. They're sharing life energy. They're sharing messages. I love this notion of fascia being another nervous system. What that means is that when you walk into a room and your spidey senses wake up, and you figure out if this situation is safe or unsafe for you, well, that's your fascia. That's incredible to me. This cobweb tissue all over your body, flowing through your bones, through your blood, through your muscles, everything. This tissue is actually your spidey sense. If that isn't collaboration, I don't know what is. The whole body relies on each cell not walling itself up and atrophying because that is certain death, but on sharing, sharing communication, sharing messages, sharing nourishment. Well, the planet is the same because your body is just your version of the planet. We as humans, we as a species, we are the same. The more we wall ourselves away from each other, the more one of us is going to atrophy and die. Isolation is not good for us. I remember years ago, the father of a friend of mine lived in Lenark County, and they had this massive ice storm come through, and it was really treacherous. People lost power. I mean, now we have them all the time, these storms, but I just remember this one was particularly difficult. And the thing that her dad said was, those that collaborated and shared, so they shared water, generators, food, I don't know, freezer space probably, those that shared were really celebrated in the community. They were loved. The ones that didn't, the ones that hoarded and isolated and kept everything for themselves, well, they were kind of shunned. There's nothing like a good storm to make us figure out how little we are, how we have to work together if we are to get through any of this. Again, when I first moved here, I noticed how collaborative this area is because it's far enough north that we don't have the resources that someone even an hour south has that much closer to Toronto. We have to stick together. And I love that. Now understand, I am an introvert. I need time on my own. But that's a very different thing than isolating and hoarding. 
Introversion is something that I know I need to do to fill my energy bank up. I need to go quiet. I need to listen inside. I need to move. I need to meditate. And then I can come out and I can help. But that's so different. So I wonder, if you think back during the past decade or so, and how egotistical these lunatic leaders have been. They've been out for themselves only, which makes a terrible, terrible leader. A leader who's only out for himself, and by the way, that gender is specific. Those leaders, they don't inspire anyone to go with them. So then we end up with dissent. We end up with a scramble of mass of people that don't really know right from left. They don't know up from down. There is a level of fear that arises when we're left to our own devices, children in the playground. We go wild. So here we are in our wildness. And I find it really disturbing. I find it really saddening. And frankly, I'm kind of irritated. I want us to grow up. I just want us to grow up. So what does that mean? I guess for me it means taking personal responsibility for my life. But hear me out. There is an individuation in that, in taking personal responsibility for my life. But my responsibility for my life is also about my contribution to the greater good. I know that as much as I have cobwebs of fascia within me, around me in the cosmos, there are cobwebs of energy that connect all of us. So my tending of my inner web, my planet, is also about tending the larger planet on which I live and through which I live. I hear a lot of people talking about civic duty. Well, to me, civic duty is making sure I'm thinking about others. I'm thinking about their well-being. I'm thinking about how to enrich the planet as a whole, not just human beings, but the moose, the minky whales, chickadees. I have an impact on this planet, and I can choose what that impact is based on the impact I put on my own life and my own body. I often will say to people in yoga class that when you choose to come to a yoga class, it's a selfish act. It's self-centered and self-serving. But that's capital S, self. Well, It's really both capital S and small s because in the act of making time for you, you are serving yourself. You're making sure that you're tending your garden on both a soul level and an ego level and on a purely physical level. And the reason that we do that is so that when we leave the mat, when we roll it up and we walk out into the world, our impact is more positive on the planet. Like I said about introversion, if I make sure that my own tank is filled, 
then I have more to give. I have more to offer. So I base my choices around, what do I need to be well today? Where am I hungry and where am I thirsty? Because I've got some work to do out there on the planet. And I want to be my best self for that. When I am my best self, when I feel like I have enough resources, collaboration is much easier. Because I've kind of taken care of the ego, right? In, in practicing in the morning, I've been able to see, hmm, am I a bit irritable today? What's underneath that? How might I help myself? So let me pause for a second. Why might I be irritable? Why is my temper short? Why am I quick to go to despair or tears or fist clenching? And I know most of us are the same in that we will do most of this with those that are closest to us, our partners, our companions, our families. So how come I can't let my partner rub my back right now? Why do I feel unhuggable? It's because it's too much input. I have had too much input lately. There are too many months in which I have listened to messages of fear. And because I am a sole proprietor, because I own a business, and that business, although pivoted online, is mostly reliant on seeing people being together in a room, those messages of fear have also made me question my own security, my ability to pay down the debt that I accrued in my previous studio, to be able to support my family, my household. And when when my security is in question, it triggers me. That is one of my big triggers. Where other people have other triggers, that's a big one for me. I want to be able to support myself to the best of my abilities because I really like the work I do. It gives me purpose. And I know that there are people that are really helped by it. I love that. So if you put into question my ability to do that in order to make a living, that's overstimulating to me. And then I'm overstimulated by so many things, right? There's that, there's lately, I mean, I know this kind of times the podcast, but there's been a huge disruption in Afghanistan where the Taliban have taken over, and I'm just stuck thinking about the women there. I mean, the number of things that I could list off that are chaotic in our world, well, it just wouldn't serve me to list those things. And then there's stuff in a, on a personal level. Friends that are dealing with really terrible cancer diagnoses. My father-in-law is in the last phases of his life, which is, you know, it's not, it's not super sad because he's lived longer than anyone thought he would. But it's, um, it's a thing out there. It's a particle out there in my orbit, something that we'll have to take care of. So these things compile together. This is going to sound really dumb, but I just got progressive lenses, both sunglasses and normal glasses. And 
it was, it's been really interesting. To, if you have had to adjust to these, you know what I'm talking about. It is very disruptive walking along, feeling completely distorted in my vision, where I've had amazing vision my whole life. But when I noticed how disrupted I felt from that, I'm like, wow, okay, I am really disrupted then. If that is that irritating to me, then I'm not creating a lot of space for myself. I'm feeling backed into a corner. And when you back someone into a corner, they are most likely going to fight their way out. So for me, what is helpful is thinking about the window of tolerance, because truly that window, that behavior indicates that my window of tolerance has become very, very narrow, that I'm so quick to react would indicate that my window of tolerance is quite small. Window of tolerance quite literally means that there is the space to tolerate and there's not a lot of space right now. So if I picture that window as being fogged up or iced over or just even dirty and I can't see through it, ways to clean the window are actually quite beautiful. And if you know your Ayurveda, this is going to sound very similar to building your ojas because it is. Things that build your ojas or widen your window of tolerance. Here's a list. Slow down. Take time. Practice deep breathing. Go for walks in nature. Or sit, forest bathe. Go by a stream or a lake or the seaside and just sit. Foods that are one ingredient healthy, fresh, things like oils, oils in your food, oils on your skin. These build up our resilience because oil in Ayurveda is seen as love. So the application of oil is to love oneself. Nothing cleans the window faster than love. But all of these things take discipline. As Vanda Scaravelli said, relaxation is not passive. Relaxation requires discipline, commitment, and honestly, muscle. We have to make a choice. Choose to go for that walk in the woods, even though there are a thousand things that you could get done off of your to-do list. You say, you know what to-do list? You're always growing. I'm always adding more to you. So I call your bluff and I put you down and you go for that walk in the woods. Practice yoga, but slow yoga. Doesn't mean it's not hard, but slow it down. Get conscious of who you are in your body, how your body is feeling. As you widen your window of tolerance, as you build your ojas back up. If you imagine a teeter-totter, on one end of the teeter-totter is ojas. So there you are raising it up, window of tolerance, raising it up. On the other end of the teeter-totter, that's irritability. On the other end of the teeter-totter is reactivity. The other day I went to my sister's house 
and hysterically, we went into Costco. So there are these two menopausal women talking about their irritability in Costco during a pandemic. But what was hysterical was through the two of us talking and sharing that we both were feeling irritable, backed into a corner, that neither of us were feeling very loving toward our partners. By the time we were cashing out at Costco, we both felt better. We were still in a crowded place. We were spending money that we didn't have. All those things. But we felt better because we had connected. And we had felt understood by another person. That builds Ojas. As the teeter-totter rises on the side of Ojas, the other side, which is reactivity and irritability, comes down. Nothing beats self-knowledge. Because when you work towards self-knowledge, you work towards self-understanding. When you work towards self-understanding, that is compassion. When you practice compassion within yourself, it is truly nearly impossible to not be compassionate with others. In these podcasts, I've spoken a fair bit about stewardship. Stewardship of self, stewardship of our relationship to others, and stewardship over the planet. Those three are intricately connected. The more I practice my version of yoga, which is not always about posture, but about how I live, the more I practice it, the kinder I become to people around me and the planet and myself. I can't do that behavior that I used to do, drinking in excess, eating in excess. I used to smoke cigarettes. I can't do it anymore. I just can't create that level of toxicity because I see what happens. I can see the ripple. I can see what it does inside. Much the same as when I judge another person or I gossip about someone. You can't unring the bell. When you see the harm that that causes, you really can't participate in it anymore. That is evolution. That's growing up. And that's where I want to live. I did choose to get vaccinated. I did it with eyes wide open. I took a homeopathic remedy for a few days before from my friend who knows about these things. And when I went in to get the vaccine, I talked to my body. And I said, you can handle this. You are strong. You are resilient. And I did it because I want to keep my partner safe. He's had a quadruple bypass, so he has heart disease. I want to keep my mom safe with COPD, with heart stuff. She's turning 84 in a few days. My father-in-law, I don't want to be the one that causes those people harm. I don't want to cause anyone harm. And so I didn't love the idea 
of putting a chemical, a pharmaceutical into my body, I don't ever love that idea. But I knew why I was doing it. And I did it with full consciousness. It was my choice. And I am happy with that choice. I feel strong in it. I am in this life right alongside my body. My body and I, we're collaborating. And I feel privileged to be in this partnership because I've got a great body. I carry excess weight and I am really healthy. I'm fit. I'm strong. I don't get sick very often, especially now that I don't have a studio and I'm not around a whole bunch of other germs. So sure, there are days where I have difficult body image, but all in all, I am so grateful to this vessel, so I'm careful about what I put into it. I'm careful now about friendships, where I spend my energy. I'm careful about the news I take in, because I know that I'm sensitive and If I were to watch CNN every day or even listen to CBC News each and every hour, I would be paralyzed in bed. So I'm careful about what I engage with in terms of global issues. I want to engage with the stuff that I know, I know I can make a difference in those places. I know how to operate myself in the most effective way. So getting back to why I want to do this podcast today. Why are we so angry? I know you're backed into a corner. I know you feel powerless. My partner and I had a conversation over the phone with a cardiac surgeon and his and my partner's dad. And the cardiac surgeon told Dave, that he couldn't do bypass surgery on him, that there was really nothing he could do because there's such arterial damage throughout his body, vascular. And so he said, you know, the minor heart attack you had is probably a shot across the bow. It's a warning shot that you're probably going to have a massive heart attack. And there are some things you can do. But basically he was saying, you're probably dying. A couple of days later, I sat with my father-in-law and he said, can I just talk to you about that phone call? And I knew this was coming. I knew that I would hear because he feels safe to talk to me about these things. So he said, should I exercise more now? Should I get my heart stronger by going for a longer walk? Is that a good thing to do? And I said, okay, Dave, the question is not whether or not that is going to strengthen your heart now. The question that you need to ask yourself is, how do I want to spend my days? Because I don't have a lot left. Yes, if you walk more, you could trigger a massive heart attack. But you could also do that sitting on a couch or in the middle of your sleep. The truth is, your heart is not functioning well. So how do you want to spend your moments? When I look at the planet and the disruptive forces that are happening right now, we might not have a lot of time left. 
I don't think that we're going to kill the planet. I think she is much stronger than that. But I do think she'll kick us off. When I look at cancer rates, heart disease, we're not doing well as a species. So if we lived as though we had a limited amount of time left, would that change how you're living right now? If you were given a diagnosis like my father-in-law, what would you choose to do? I heard about protesters in BC blocking the hospitals. Paramedics in total dismay because their patients could have died. Because people were blocking the ambulance's path to the hospital. I think in that mob mentality that people aren't really thinking about the consequences of their decision. They're so stuck in the vitriol of whatever they've read and seen. And I'm not saying that they're wrong for their protests, if that's what they believe. But we were warned about this, weren't we? That if we got all of our news from social media or from only one point of view, then we will only get news from that point of view. We'll find things to support it over and over and over again. We have got to remain curious. Curious of the other. Questioning of ourselves. Open-hearted, open-minded. What are the consequences of my behavior, of my choices? And can I live with them? But first, stop raging. Take a breath. Your choices are your choices. But have you gotten quiet enough to really hear clearly? I'm not saying I think you should believe anything. I'm just asking, are you making time for you to know yourself truly, to really hear what's right for you? Arjuna is this great warrior, and he's meant to go to battle with his cousins because they've wreaked havoc on the planet. Arjuna looks across the field at his kin and says, I can't do this. I can't kill my kin. And I know God is in everyone. I can't kill God. And so in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna comes down to give Arjuna counsel. And in his counsel, he says, Arjuna, you must do this battle. You must raise your arms against this enemy. But the real story of the Gita is not about a war so much as it is about the battle that we all face between choosing our ego or choosing our soul, choosing our negative habits or choosing to evolve. This is the battle between right action and, I don't want to say not right action, but inaction for sure. It's about knowing your dharma. Why are you here? Is it to spew hate? For me, dharma always comes down to this one thing, and that is that we are here to build. And the only energy that builds is love, like really builds. That's how we procreate, right? It's how we create art, friendships, relationships, careers. 
It's love. So, if you had counsel from Krishna, if Krishna came down and said to you, you must do this battle, what would that be about for you? Where is your confusion? Where are your illusions holding you back? What's behind the veil of anger? What's behind the irritability? What is fogging? your window of tolerance, and what steps will you take to remember who you really are, a being born out of love, an ecosystem within an ecosystem of a planet. You have a responsibility to take care of the microcosm that is your body, the microcosm of the greater ecosystem of this planet, that is your body, your mind, your soul. Take a breath, sit down, maybe your spine against the trunk of a tree, and stay there until you hear your soul calling.